Yeah, here. We're fine. Welcome to Get in the Garage. I am Mike, host of the podcast, with my hosts, co-hosts. This was a horrible, terrible intro. I like Welcome you... to Get in the Garage. Let me take this one again. <laughs> this time I'm going to really do it. We are uh, a music <laughs> podcast with Michael. I am Luke. We have Jeffrey here. Uh, and joining us is Devin Arbuckle. He's going to talk to us about... Uh, his favorite like rap albums from the 2010s, probably when you were in high school, yeah, middle school, freshman year of high school, yeah, yeah, right on, very seminal time for music. Um, yep. so I think this is going to be important for all of us today, at least for me and Michael, because we have not really listened to these albums, and uh, for myself, I am uh very excited to hear why these albums are like important in Devin's life, and I uh, I hope he's gonna fulfill me and give me some context to. Uh, some music that I'm uh, unaware of, and uh, I think yeah. Jeffrey's more familiar, so uh, it should be a uh, a good conversation about some uh, seminal rap albums from the 2010s. Is that a good intro, guys? 2010s and a little bit before. pre, yeah. pre, oh, a little bit pre. We'll, we'll say we'll say the last 15 years, but yeah, but the we'll, pre is probably one of the most. Or how about we could we could ones. say from the formative years of Devin's life? Because Devin, yeah. just just for. <laughs> Just so we know, how old are you? I am 26 years old. Oh, okay. 26. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so these make more sense. I, I, I was thinking you were younger, and then I'm like, yo, this kid was listening to Goblin when he was seven years old. <laughs> 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 this kid's going to show up with a, like, a machine gun. You know <laughs> I come to every building to shoot it up. Um, yeah. No, times. but dark times. Yeah. So that, that's why I think it's going to be interesting because um, yeah. it's going to be like an era of music that we were like more older for and did, couldn't yeah. experience. Like so, Luke, you said you hadn't listened to any five. No, Mike, you you were familiar with let's say like two and a half out of the five. Yeah, that's accurate. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I I'd, I've heard them all, and obviously Devin's heard them all. Um, so yeah. Devin, special guest, first in person guest in a while post. Post COVID, yeah, yeah. since oh, since I'm Roy, honored. Since I'm honored. Day. I'm honored. Um, so why don't we kick it off, Devin, and why don't we talk about your first choice, um, Kanye West 808s and Heartbreaks? All right, so back, I'd say like this is 2008. I wasn't technically in high school; I was in middle school, seventh grade, um, and it was like the first time I really heard music on the radio, and you know, fell in love with a song. Mm. Um, and it happened to be not Heartless, which was actually, you know, his number one song on the album. It ended up being Streetlights, which oh, okay. just had this very like melodic mm. tone. It was very chill and it was something I didn't hear in music on the radio before. Like, you know, it was like hard rap. Right. And then you have Kanye West who, who was, who is a rap artist. Mm. I would call him more of a hip hop artist. Sure. Um, but yeah, he kind of like opened my eyes and he like he definitely tries a bunch of different styles and mm -hmm. I love that every album is different. Mm -hmm. Every album has its own unique vibes and every song almost has its own unique vibes in an album. Yeah. So you never get bored when you switch songs and that's the greatest thing about it. And I would say yeah, Heartless is his number one song, but Streetlights would definitely be if you've never heard of it, listen to Streetlights first. 
Yeah, I I love that song in particular. Um, and this did have hits. It was you know Heartless and Love Lockdown, RoboCop, RoboCop, amazing with Jeezy was a big song and and this was such a stylistic change from hip hop music at the time because me I was twenty when this came out and I was a huge Kanye West fan. And I'm, I'm being honest, I heard this album, I was like, throw this in the fucking garbage. <laughs> Fuck this singing. There's no rapping on this album. There's like no, it's like drums, but it's 808 pitch drums. Yep. So there's no like boom bat, like R&B, James Brown style break drums. And I, I straight up like, I hated this album for at least three to five years. Like I didn't come around to this album until like 2012. And hmm. it's because I, I, I didn't get it. And in a way, I didn't want to get it because I wanted him to like keep pushing that, the R&B, the pitched up vocal samples he was known for. And then he comes out with this electro sing-songy auto-tune thing. And I was like, Ugh, this is nonsense. But now, looking back, this is such an important album in the evolution of hip-hop in the last 20 years. And it's not my favorite, but it's definitely middle of the pack for all yeah. of his albums, in my opinion. So, Yeah. When I listened to this one, I kind of thought that it was like, the main thing like you said i was like well it's not it's more like sing-songy instead of like in more of like you said it has like vibes so like the the rap or the vocal style is more like a, a vibe as opposed to like a straight up like hard rap mm -hmm. so like that was the first thing i noticed and the second thing i noticed it was like more feelings <laughs> yeah oh, this smart. was around the time he was having uh i think complications yeah. with his mom mother yeah. Right. Or she oh, might have yeah. passed at the time. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. But, like, yeah. before this, like, I mean, at least for, like, the hip-hop I listen to, which is obviously not a ton. <clears throat> but um, it's almost like hip-hop's like, we don't have feelings. We don't love people. Like, yeah. like you know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, though? Yeah, it's no, like, you got to stay hard. And then, like, Kanye's like, I have feelings. I'm kind of sad. Mm -hmm. Like, this girl's got me feeling like a bunch of, like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, um, it wasn't like, because, like, before, I feel like in rap, it was more like, um, guy could say like a girl is so like like a like Benita Applebottom like that kind of vibe where yep. like he's saying she's you know fly she looks good and she's like you know hot all that shit right but not like she hurt me a little bit like that's this like <laughs> is that would I be right in saying like this album pushed that like e forward in rap a little more oh yeah this made every hip hop artist want to reveal their like sad feelings yeah. Be more yeah. honest about things. Like okay, that. see, so I'm not that yeah. far off on like the because I was trying to like just straight vibe all these records, like get like a sense of them without reading about them first. I wanted to listen to them without like having every yeah. like commenters thing, but uh, that's what like I noticed about this one, and I was, and then like the date of it came out compared to the rest of them. Right. Yeah, know? I mean, we were talking. Luke and I were talking on the phone earlier, and we were saying how like, you know, we'll get into the other four album selections later, but. This is such a nice beginning mm. for all the records we're going to talk about because yep. I feel like when you listen to all the other records, Kanye is like peppered in yeah. a little bit. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like a side. It's like it's Kanye. It's the Kanye West garnish on stuff. Yeah, you know. But um, I have a question for Devin. Yeah. Is this your favorite album out of the ones like we listen to? No, no, no. Oh, then we'll save it. Yeah, okay. Let's, right, let's right, reveal right. that when we get to it. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. This this album is uh. It's frequently cited by current rappers, so people call it like mumble rap. All the sing-songy, auto-tune type dudes now. This is their Illmatic. Like, this is the one that everyone, right, ev yeah. every rapper who's 18 to 25 years old, this is the album where they're like, oh, this is the one. They talk about it a lot. Yeah. 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 And we got to, 
for people who don't know, this album was only recorded in a two-month two span at the end of 2008, and it came directly after Kanye listened to the Kid Cudi mixtape, uh, A Kid Called Cudi, which he's like the one who actually like laid the groundwork of the auto-tune and singing all the stuff instead of like just rapping uh, sp- like plain speech. I'd have to get that to T-Pain, but... I mean, oh, yeah. I, I was sick of that too. When, when you said that, that I was like, "Is it T Pain?" I mean, T Pain was the radio guy, but like, that's true. Kid Cudi was the un, like up and coming the underground, art, dude. the artistic. And Kanye loves like if you listen to his albums, he always has features by like nineteen year old kids who are like mm-hmm. doing a different like drill artist from Chicago and stuff like that. And he brings up all these unknowns, and he definitely listened to this, signed Kid Cudi, and had him as a co writer, and like featured like all that humming and like yeah, that's, that's what soothing for, yeah. style, yeah. He brought up Big Sean too, right out the streets. Yeah, really. Yeah, and now he hates. Him. Now he hates and fucking buries yeah. him. <laughs> um, yeah, great album. It took me a lot, like I said, a lot of time to come around to it, but I respect it and yeah, I I do play it a lot. Also, before we move on, yeah. uh, super tribute to like eighties. Uh, oh yeah, y- just you know without That's the other thing. Because it was super yeah. 80s, yeah. where like hip hop had moved away from 80s because that was where it was like in the inception of it. So you have right. a lot of those things in it naturally anyway. And yeah. this was like a throwback to also the inception of like all those um, flavors of early hip hop, but not used in the same context at all. More used in like a princey context, yeah, yeah. right? Sure. So, the thi- yeah, the thing with the 80s style stuff, when I was listening to it, I didn't realize it came out in 2008. Mm. If this, like, in other words, if this record came out now, it would also make sense because there's yes. a lot of that sort of '80s resurgency right. kind of thing happening yeah. in like popular mainstream music, like The Weekend and right, like yeah, that. and a lot of like that, that synthy vibe and stuff Michael. like that. Where I'm like, holy shit! So this record, in a way, is kind of ahead of its time oh, yeah. in that sense, where you're like, oh, he's like throwing tribute to the '80s. That wouldn't really become a really popular thing in music until like 2017, 18, 19. Yep. The most you know, 80s stuff 20. is in RoboCop, you know, like oh, all the yes. literal like machine noises. But I love, I wrote one, I, think, I love Town 2 is in the song Bad News, where he does that like fuzzy auto tune, right. like it's got this yeah. crazy filter on it. Yeah. Like, I love that. I love it, love it, love it. So to wrap, um, so. Devin, what's your favorite track on this? If you, if you have to pick one. Streetlights, hands down. Yeah. It's just, it's. Like you, like Luke said, you listen to hip hop, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, they talk about their feelings like Drake's album, of course, mm. take care is mostly, you know, he, he he's talking about girls, what yeah. he, his life has been with yeah. them and how his fame's affected him. But this album, I'm pretty sure it came out around the time Kanye's mother passed. Right. So it was a very open, you know, yeah, emotional album. Yeah. And Streetlights just has this, this tone, this, mm. it just sounds so dreamlike it puts you almost in a in a in a, in a trance right. and it makes you think about a lot at least it makes me think about a lot when i hear it yeah those keyboards like that start and go throughout they're yeah. like they're pitching down it's like crying keyboards it's like such a cool synthesizers sound. Right? Yeah. yeah yeah really nice um my yeah. track would be coldest winter if i'm picking one um it's it's not really the last track there's a freestyle afterwards the pinocchio mm-hmm. freestyle but um it's one that i play all the time and it has this like kind of like Bach type of like classical feel in it in the middle. Um, so that's my choice. Right on. Yeah, I'll, I'm I'm gonna go popular song. I'm gonna go with Heartless. Sure. Just because okay. I feel like that's the song where I you know don't don't it, force get to the chorus. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Well, because 
2007 is the year I graduated high school. That's when what graduate came out, right? Graduation, yeah. Graduation, rather, sorry. Uh, and everybody was turned on to Kanye West, and I wasn't really into it, but I remember around that time hearing the song Heartless and being like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is, I dig this, you know? So it was like a good, strong single off of an album that was able to kind of propel him forward a bit more in terms of yep. being a pop star as well as like accomplished producer, yeah. hip hop producer, you know, artist and all that. Of having no context to this album at all, where I listened to it, uh, I like Paranoid a lot because uh, it was like more of that like Don't dance floor. There you yeah, go. Yeah. I just thought it was like, Why are you so paranoid? Very yeah, different sounding, yeah. Um, yeah. and that you know, just completely not really. Uh, it's more hip hop than yeah. rap. And that's what Kanye is best known for is just his style. He's able to switch right, it up yeah. and do it very well. Yeah. yeah, and then inspire people with a new style that he's never done before. Yeah, right. right. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Right on. All right. Well, moving on. Album two. Album two. I don't know what it is. Goblin. Oh, here we go. By Tyler, oh, the creator from... It's going to uh, be the darkest part of the podcast. Mid-2011, <laughs> mid turn down the lights. Uh, before we start this, last week we were talking rap groups. Did we mention Odd Future in, in our modern rap group uh, conversation? No. No. I just will throw it to there. So. I yeah. mean, I wouldn't yeah. say anybody else in Odd Future other than maybe Earl Sweatshirt and Frank Ocean. I'm right. a huge Frank Ocean fan. He hasn't made enough. Oh, we were just talking like modern like rap groups. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, and they were like, we can't think of any. And yeah, then Odd Future was more of like, years ago, they were though. more like a label because they yeah. didn't do like albums together. Yeah. Other than like the internet, which is like Sid and mm -hmm. her band. But even that, like she's the only one vocalist on it. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so let's start the conversation. Devin, why did you pick Goblin as one of your choices? So Goblin came out, say, sophomore year of high school. Um, it was kind of an album. It was just—it was like the first time I ever listened to something dark. <laughs> like, yeah. well, it was just you super dark. Well, because this is a fucking dark. <laughs> and record, I was man. young at the Good time, God. and I was young at the time. Yeah. So you know, yeah, teenagers, dark, you know, dark, dark. Yeah, that's yeah. all. What I think about when I listen, when I hear you say that, though, it remind it makes me think of like when the Marshall Mathers LP came out because that was oh, around yeah. the time when I was like probably like a, like the same sort yeah. of age maybe like 8th, ninth grade yeah. and that was a dark like well, I remember listening to Kim and I'm like I'm 12 years old I should not be listening to this <laughs> fucking crazy Dude. ass song right now yeah. but I, that's what I think like for you mm -hmm. is a similar experience probably I was like 10 or 9 listening to that and I was like I don't like this track but but yeah so this record you know I understand why you picked it Teenage angst. Teenage it was, angst. It was yeah. like my emo phase. Yeah. yeah. Kind of. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, this is my like question now. So like obviously I can understand like I, the like why a teenager is into this record. It's angry. It's, it's everything you're like thinking. Obviously, yeah. it also has that like school shooting song, which is like, oh yeah, kill people, burn shit, fuck school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's you not... went right to the point on that one, right? It's, it's like there's, the no, there's no metaphors at all. No, there's in this no. Song. It's, it's just, just like, no. it's straight up what it is. Um, but also, uh, music for our times. Like, um, like we can't oh, act yeah. like it's not happening. So, yeah. but besides all that, um. What do you feel? Do you like it the same way now as you did then, or do you like nostalgic. look at it? It's nostalgia, nostalgic. but do you look at it like, um, can you listen to it and have 
fun with the anger that's in there as opposed to like do you listen to it to get like kind of pumped up and angry like maybe you're at the gym or something do you use it for that or do you use it oh my god if i listen to this at the gym but do you <laughs> just be throwing barbells at people yeah, but do you know what i'm saying though do you is it more of like a look back and you can kind of cartoonishly look at the the um how angry it is is that you know what i mean yeah, it's nostalgic. Like back in the day when I would listen to it, it'd be me and my friends. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there were skaters, so it was like a skater vibe. He was very, he was a big, uh, like, icon when it came to like skateboarding mm-hmm. or just, um, what is it, like the underground scene? Like, right, he was with yeah. Supreme, all of them. Like, my, my friends loved them. Uh, that was all we watched was their videos. Tyler's a funny guy. So it's like a nostalgic thing. Like, I look back on it and, you know, I listen to all the songs. I wouldn't say it, like, it fuels my rage to do stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what I'm saying. Like, like, do you listen to it and like still like skate to it, or and like get like the like that's where I'm at at it, or do you kind of like look at it cartoonishly? Like, man, I used to be such an angry like little yeah. punk kid, like that kind of vibe. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely something I wouldn't like you know ride around and listen to now. Mm. But like thinking back, it was good times. It was definitely yeah, yeah. A, a fun album, and just like how crazy they sounded, it it made me feel. <laughs> rebellious that's what yeah, i want to yeah. say like yeah. in my teenage eight yeah, years man. it yeah, made me yeah. feel like i listen to this and it's bad for you you shouldn't be listening to this but i can because right. I, you know I yeah this it. is this is more of like a punk album than a hip-hop album because yeah. it's like it's just very uh like flame like fanning the flames and transgressive and like this came out especially like the time when society was like, we do not say the F word anymore. It, and he was like, you know what? I'm going to put it 40 times on every song. Not even just the F word. He'll right. say like every word in right. the dictionary. Right. Yeah. All the band words. The, and the he F just word, goes the, for it. The F word on this record for me. Cause like I'd not, also for the record, I had not, not listened. Fuck. We're, yeah. We're, yeah. Not fuck. <laughs> not so, fuck. so, and it's just you like, can say fuck freely. In this he was, podcast. he was very internet famous and his whole crew was very internet famous. Like I listened to this album when, they had their releases on Tumblr. Yeah. Like way back in the day. And I listened to this. I was uh, 23 when this came out. And I heard it and I went, oh, these crazy kids. This music is bad for people. <laughs> because I was just like, I remember being 12 years old and listening to Eminem and going like, this is making kids. Le- so- it's proper I'll anger for what. some people, but it's it's too much for other kids. You know, I like, douse my head in peroxide after like, I listen to that. Fucking but you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> you know, I got a Caesar haircut and I fucking whoop, like peroxide some, went on. Some people can hear the irony in these songs and the like purposely saying fucked up mm-hmm. shit to say fucked up shit. And then other people are like, I believe the message. And you're like, oh, you don't get it. You don't get the joke, man. Yeah, like, right, so, right. As I listened to this, I kept having to go, this is art. Yeah, this is yeah. like a, this is like a painting, yeah. dude. This is a painting. This is yeah. just like a painting. And well, because yeah, the thing is too is that the, you know, we've talked about this before, and sort of where I go first when I listen to music, and it's always instrumental, right? Side. That's the first thing that catches me. Likewise with hip hop, it's you know the beats. The the beats on this record are just so like disturbing sounding and yeah. like jarring, and they do that thing where like there's never really a beat drop as much as it's just kind of like these pulsating like bass tones mm-hmm. that are like disjointed Static. and make you just feel so uncomfortable and like the yeah. beats make my skin crawl on one side that might be a negative thing on the other side mission accomplished because you <laughs> fucking did point. it man. Yeah. like that's the point right? right so it's like 
you that's where you have to credit the record where you're like well he was going like the what i'm feeling right now is what he was trying to make me feel like so i guess he did a good job so can i also bring it on home with like i love that you said this was like a punk record because i didn't make that connection until you just said it it's the same thing as the misfits saying like i've got something to say i've killed a baby today and it doesn't matter much to me as long as it's dead it's a crazy offensive statement right mm -hmm. but it's not to be taken it's to be you know, right. you don't. It's to be like, uh, it's it's like clay. It can be malleable. It's yeah, uh, yeah. that kind of thing. And, and sonically, like you said, the beats. He, he has a low voice, and then he does the like sub octave, like pitch drop, yeah, where he has right, like the right, narrator, right, right. like yeah. the voice of the devil type of thing going on. Um, he produced every song. Like that's a great thing about his career, is he produces everything he does. So even now, he does more poppier uh singing type stuff he, right. he produces everything so just the skill that come goes into that i think he was 19 when he made this album um Damn. yeah yep. and this is his de this is his debut album no, no. wait um, like yeah like major studio of. release yeah. Yeah. right right because i, I mean an album before did he was it more like a mi like yeah, mixtape mix kind of artist yeah type yeah, of deal? yeah. Yeah, what I, uh, was the first one called? Devin, I thank you for uh, challenging my, my ears because I would have never listened to this record yeah. in my lifetime, ever, unless somebody was like, you need to listen to this. And then I was like, okay. Yeah. So uh, very interesting. Like, what it was a uh, very, man, what a divisive, like. Yeah, and this was early skate kid, punk, hip hop, grimy, horrorcore type stuff. And yeah. now, like, the, the evolution of him as an artist, now he's, like, very mainstream and grammy nominated and all that stuff and so it's kind of like cool to see like where this dude started yeah i liked i mean i i didn't like the record but <laughs> but i liked it at the same yeah. time like yeah. i wouldn't listen to it. Yeah, i'm yeah. not gonna listen to it again probably but um i'm glad i listened to it so because yeah. it gave yeah. me context to like yeah. a lot of different things yeah uh what's your song choice if you're picking one Devin? uh she feature frank ocean just because i love frank ocean you I gotta hop on with you. He's like my favorite artist of the last decade, oh, yeah. and that's my choice too. Was, yeah. If there was any song in the world that I could say truly makes me feel something, it'd be Self Control. Right. It came at a t the right time, and it just had the right message. Yeah. So. And this is like his introduction. He was a yes, songwriter, and like first he's song featured on a couple songs, but she, especially the fourth track, that's my choice too. Just the start of it. Yeah. Luke. Golden rubbers in these denim pockets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> great line um man i'm i'm all for like good lyric shout outs that was a good one that was um I, the first line too i liked um her on the record which was like more of oh, like that's a, another frank ocean feature yeah, yeah. which was more because it was for me it just stood out way different on that record because it was like um it was almost like he was pining for something he couldn't have um and it was definitely more of like this is um a boy girl relationship like the passwords uh her name's yeah. my password and shit like um yeah. i kind of liked how it was um sensitive in yeah. a record of like real hard shit so yeah. uh my selection is yonkers oh the single the single yeah. the good, single good single i'm going for singles today uh this one specifically because i remember like where i was and what i was doing when i first experienced this song it's 2011 like i know exactly where i was the video i saw the video black for and it. white you're right blacked out pupils right. upside down cross on the forehead and you're like i'm like what the fuck and it's so like surreal and yeah. like and the beat and, like, is just i'm a walking fucking paradox <laughs> like right. it goes into it, i'm like oh my god what the fuck yeah, like yeah. but that's where that's he grabbed me there i was like right. oh okay there's something here you know and that was my introduction so 
I'm gonna go with Yonkers. So, so the greatest thing about mm-hmm. Tyler is that he just doesn't care. Yeah. Like he sure. just makes music to make yeah, music. Yeah. He doesn't care mm-hmm. if he gets famous. Yeah, yeah. One uh one person asked him why do you make music? He goes to piss old white people off like you. That was his answer. <laughs> Mission accomplished. A uh, <laughs> a, a true artist will make you think. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. There you go, man. Yeah, yeah. So we move on uh to the third album. This is another one from 2011. This is Drake's second. And what a year. what a Take different care. side of the hip hop spectrum for being oh, released yeah. in the same year. In my opinion, this is like yeah, this is like 24 karat gold hip-hop like Ugh. royalty record like this is and this is frequently cited as like the drake album oh yeah as, so like why do you love this one so much so there's a couple songs on here that um uh really like solidified this as one of my one of my top five albums and it was honestly the first song that nobody really listens to it's called over my dead body yeah i like that song um and it was just he just talks about like him coming up in the rap game and then him bringing his friends with him and that was just something you know i would always want to do maybe not in rap but like Mm. in whatever i do i would like to bring you know the people who were there for me with me Mm. um and then marvin's room a very like emotional song and also one of his like radio songs yeah where he's uh he's just you know um, being drake yeah and that's when like the whole like you know Drake and you don't know, Drake and drive all like the jokes about him being like emotional. And it was just a time where like I could switch from Goblin, you know, this like hard, dark album <laughs> yeah. and then start, you know, crying on take care. <laughs> yeah. They know, they know, they know. Yeah. Like you get that stuff. I remember we, he, he was like a meme in my friend group for a while. We'd be like, no new friends. Yeah. <laughs> and, like saying stuff like that, yeah. like doing the drizzy, drizzy, <laughs> doing that shit. He had like such a, um, like a radio voice too, yeah. like a, like a radio presence. In every album. When I hear his voice, I'm like, oh, he's the much more, like, vocal-wise, he's the much more, like, palatable Lil Wayne. Because he still has that sort of, like, thinness to his voice that Lil Wayne does. But Lil Wayne, like, he always does this kind of, like, babbling Mm -hmm. thing. Where Drake is just that reduced, beautiful... He's the one, man. Like, there's a reason he's the number one streamed everywhere. He is, like... And this album is the first... Because his first album was good. But this album is the deep cuts are so good yeah. and it only has like take care was a big radio song but there's no other like big pop radio songs on this album except for like some of the bonus tracks that they tacked on the deluxe Room, i think was on there for a little bit on the radio mm. i can't remember though it's been a while and yeah, yeah this is like uh it's it it's like if you know the cover it's drake sad at a at a very like lux table with yeah, gold shit gold everywhere and he's just like holding his head like i'm so lonely and sad to be, <laughs> to be this rich and it's like that's yeah. what this album sounds like yeah that's literally yeah that's yeah. what it was about yeah yeah great record um i so like i saw this record like again listening to the five this mm. one struck me as like um like a like a like um like led zeppelin in the rap world like it struck me as like up uh, because it was long yeah it was like, it's like a, overblown and it's an hour and 23 right. minutes right so Couple it was songs like, you could skip on there but what i'm saying it's a mm. it's a big statement mm. you know what i mean and then the other part yeah. it had it was like it was the production was like the mm. silky statement oh, yeah. you know yeah, what i mean yeah. it was like it was really clean really well done um it was like gave homage to like underground ideas but made them 
it was like I don't know, maybe like a really fine like oil painting of the, like that kind of stuff. It was mm. like the the watermark of it, like taking all of it and making it like the most perfect sounding you yeah. could. Is that you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely his. I would say his like, you know, his like most well put together album out of yeah. all of them. His like everything else just felt like a mash, Zero. a mash, mm. just like a mesh of all his, like songs. But this one was like carefully thought and like strung out, and you could feel the pace and the in the music change because it starts slow, then it starts to build up with like. Um, uh, hell yeah, fucking right. And then he also has like Make Me Proud with Nicki Minaj. He also right. brought yep. The Weeknd mm. into the scene. Birdman. Birdman. I mean, he's been around Rihanna. for a while. Uh, there's just so many people on here. And after this, after this album was when he kind of solidified his spot as like right. yeah, yeah. the number one hip hop artist. And like any song you had him in as a feature, mm. it was blowing up regardless. It doesn't matter. It could be a trash yeah. song. As long as he was in it, you would see it in the top 10. Yeah, this is the album that, because. Mm. The knock on him was always like, "Yo, well, you gotta choose: are you a singer, or are you a rapper?" And then he's like, "No, I'm gonna make a two album, two hour yep. album that proves I can do whatever I want to do. I can sing, I can rap, I can do all singing on a track. I can do all rap on a track. I can mix." Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and the production, like you were saying, the sound of this album. There's Drake albums I think I like more, but this is the Drakeiest Drake album because like the <laughs> bass sound of it is like that 40 production where everything is like keyboards and it's all like muted, like low pass filter. So everything kind of sounds like muffled and like in the, in the keyboards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has those big triumphant, like crashing drums and like horn blasts, like on the Rick Ross track, there's yep. stuff on the, on the weekend uh, track. It's like all that crazy electro 80 stuff where the beat is like, and it's just like very jarring, but that's like that uh, tip of the cap to the Kanye West 808 stuff. Um, yeah, this album is. I it's, also, it's... Um, <laughs> for like anecdotal thing, uh, for having also gotten no context, is uh, I remember a lot of uh, women really enjoyed this record when it came out. And that is what I mostly remember was the female um, response. Yes, to this record was huge and then i remember like the male response like you guys saying in the beginning of it was a bit memed and then um maybe a bit more accepted afterwards yeah right yeah this might be the record like you did listen to and maybe loved all the time and Mm. but you may not tell your friends it's your favorite record Mm. yeah and this album Mm. like a lot of the drake albums after like every drake album after this one everyone was like yo did you listen to his new album did you cut the new album when this album came out it was just like it came out Right. You didn't know about it. Nobody was talking about it. And then it just blew up. Yeah. Whereas like after that, and then I forget what album came after that. I think it was, um, nothing was, nothing the was the same. Yeah. Everybody was like, yo, his album's dropping this week. Are right. you going to be listening to it? Like, this is like the album that really, you know, catapulted him. And if you look at some of the numbers, this one actually didn't have as many streams as any of the other albums. Yeah. But I feel like if you were to come back to this one after all the other ones before it, I mean, after it, you would definitely be like, this was his album. This is the number one album he's had. And this one in particular has three songs that I would choose for my top three. It wouldn't oh, just yeah. be over my dead body. It would also be Cameras, Good Ones Go, and Doing It Wrong. Twelve and epi- uh, Song 12 and 13, mm-hmm. if you listen to them back to back, he's talking about his grandmother mm-hmm. who passed. I'm not sure when, um, but he has like a phone recording of her in it for like a minute. And that was just like, you know, Kanye West with his song Heartless, which I'm pretty mm. sure was 
I wasn't sure if it was Heartless or Cold. I think it was Coldest Winter on 808s and Heartbreaks where he the song is about his mm-hmm. mother. So yeah, just and that. And, and that, those themes talk about his parents and yep. his childhood and, like you said, bring up his friends group and, like, trying to – everybody's on the come up when he gets famous yeah. and big. I, those are the important themes in his work. Um, my choice for a song would be um, – I love the one with the crazy horns on it, the one with Rick Ross, uh, Lord Knows – it's deep in the album, but it's like such a triumphant and like bombastic track. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, also, like the Buried Alive interlude, right? Yep. That's with um, oh the Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. We'll get into we'll get into why I love Kendrick. So Lamar. your favorite Drake so track much. on this album is not a Drake track. <laughs> yeah, he's not even like in the song. No. <laughs> well, what can you do? We are- <laughs> um, I'm foreshadowing here. I'm foreshadowing. I like the song Headlines because sure. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I listen. I yeah, like this yeah, record. Yeah. And I listened to it. I thought it was like you know. Yeah. I said what I said. But um, that one was a hit. That was yeah. A, yeah. That was yeah. like the like a singly one. I liked yeah. it. it. It hit well. Yeah. It slapped. I'll 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 say I love uh, HYFR. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah, yeah fucking right. Because yeah. it's like yeah. I don't know. There's something about that. You know. Is Lil Wayne on that track? Yeah. 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 Any yeah. song with Drake and Lil Wayne right. is just like it's just fun. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. just fun. And that, and that was one that we would always like. I'd be like at work like driving around be like hell yeah and it's the the mentor protege thing is like always a cool dynamic right right and it's pretty cool to see like drake just surpassing lil wayne yeah like lil wayne just called him up off the mixtape and was like hey you want a job here's a million dollars yeah and now drake is you know pushing three times the numbers lil wayne is and he took he technically took lil wayne's spot because in the time from like 2005 to like 2012 Lil Wayne was that feature yeah. guy on any right. hip hop song. Yeah. If you had Lil Wayne on there, it was blowing up. Yeah, yeah. Like Chris Brown and Lil Wayne did all mm-hmm. those all those songs, mm-hmm. yeah. and they were just on the radio. And now Drake's that person. You Lil Wayne knew, man. He's yeah. like this soap opera actor in Canada. He's gonna be the biggest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, Listen. Nicki Minaj. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy knew. He's like, you got to get out of that wheelchair. Come make a record. <laughs> wheelchair, Jimmy. Walk, Drake. Walk. Cool. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we will we'll come back with the last selections. Record. All right. Wow. Wow. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you. That's you can pull weak. It. You can pull it harder. Yeah. What are you doing? I, just, I wanted a That's sad. She said. I wanted a sad one for the Drake. Well, the Drake. Sad yeah, we did there. the sad album. Maybe yeah. during Goblin, probably. Yeah. Time. Um. All right. So to recap, we've covered 808s and Heartbreak. Uh, Goblin. Goblin. And Drake. Take care. Drizzy. So, we're going to move on now. Jeff, would you like to tell us? Uh, yeah, the fourth album we're going to talk about uh, is from 2012, and it's Kendrick Lamar's uh, major label debut. It's like it's technically his second album, but it's his big breakout album, Good Kid, Mad City. Best rap album of my generation. Wow, a statement. I think, I mean... Of my generation. Sure. I'll agree with that. Uh, this is my favorite one we listen to. Okay, and you had never listened to it before? Yeah. Um, oh, you've never listened to Kendrick Lamar before? No, I've never listened to any of these I records. I thought, well, you know, he's one of them where I thought maybe you would. Because no, no. Luke likes the Tribe yeah. Called Quest. He likes, you know what I mean? He likes I, that sort of more like intellectual rap. And Kendrick gives you that. Scenario? I loved this record. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I listened yeah, to it. Here. I was like, oh, I love this. Yeah. This, this one like stood out to me as being way different than, mm-hmm. well, yeah. So people that know about it, let's talk about it. Yeah. So this album... I'd say pay homage, pays homage to old school hip hop. Mm-hmm. The 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 beats, 
the production everything is just old school and he just comes with like lyrics they, they make sense you know he's talking about stuff that's happening in his life you know how rap was originally formed it was a, a form of expression of what was going on in people's lives and this was something that he was doing unlike everybody nowadays you know you can falsify stuff for views and money yeah. and fame and to make yourself look cool but he was like this is my life this is the shit i was doing and that's like the essence of rap and hip-hop and it was hard to find a rap album like that in this you know day and age because everybody, you know, just wants yep. what you see in the music videos. Fast cars, the girls, the money. Yeah, yeah. And he's just talking about his times when he used to steal his mom's van to go see some some, some hooker on the street. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I heard this record, yeah, it dropped October of 2012. It's like I listened to it. Luke and I were talking about it a little bit uh, earlier today, too, where it was like it came out and I was like, okay, good. At least this generation has has a yep. good one <laughs> like you know what i mean it's one of those where i was like yep all right cool he like re you know uh restored my faith and sort of like where hip-hop was and what it, you know where it was going and all that stuff in that in that time frame you had other great rappers but with kendrick i was like cool all right breath of fresh air something yep. different bringing compton back into hip-hop too because like that's where he comes from like that whole sort of west coast gangsta rap influences and stuff and what he was doing like i it felt authentic, you know what I mean? I think uh, the authenticness uh, also was, like, um, like the interludes in between of, like, the, the people talking and, yes. you know, discussing, like, subjects and stuff. Uh, gave me strong Erica Badu vibes, um, you know, where, like, they have, like, the, you know, mm. in between, like, the talking and stuff. I thought that like, it added to, like, it gave it personality and, like, let me know, like, where they were coming from and stuff. Um also, like you said, it was like a homage to uh, like rap that had come before it. Um, there was definitely like some Dr. Dre like synth lines yep. going through there that I'm I like. Pretty heard. sure he produced on this. I think. I think yeah, that's I think what Michael it, told me. Yeah, I think he's the executive producer of the album. But that's what made me like. I was like, oh, I was like, okay, there's that like, yep. like nothing but a G thing, like line going through one of the tracks. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, and for people who don't know, this is a concept album, um, which is why it has all the skits and interludes, and it's like a day in the life of him as a teenager in Compton. Yeah, um, he has his parents like doing actual voicemails on the album, and uh, it's it's like a cross of like Nas meets Snoop Dogg meets Lil Wayne meets Andre Three Thousand. It's like the best of all the all the hip hop artists in the in the fifteen years before him, all like combined in one. Like in my opinion, he's the best. He's the best rapper, quote unquote, hip hop artist currently. I mean, that's alive in our generation that's yeah. still making music. Yeah, yeah. for I, sure. I saw him live on the tour supporting this album, and I had been to like maybe one or two other hip hop shows, and it was so different because he had no vocal backing track. Like you know how you see videos oh, right, and right. they're like they basically say every other word or the end of lines, but they're holding the mic to the crowd or they're just like walking around. He was like full throttle out of breath rapping the entire show and i was just i was like transfixed i just watched him like holy shit this guy is like in it to win it in it to have the crown to like be the dude he loves the music yeah. where other rappers love the lifestyle uh, that's what i was yeah. saying mm -hmm. Ooh, well said man well said that was, yeah and like i felt this record like like that too mm -hmm. like even like the word play like the just yeah. like you could tell like the lyrically mm -hmm. it was it's like not only is his flow like just 
you know it's unique too yes it's super unique but like lyrically like compared to the other stuff we were listening to like the wordplay oh, like yeah. the like the uh, you know entendre the the setting up shit like bef- you know coming down the line late that kind of stuff where like the other stuff we listened to was like more of like in the moment like like rhyme rhyme yeah cool right this was more like way thought out like great tells a story yes yeah. top top class lyric like bob dylan he is genius level yeah if yeah. i'm talking like moldy yeah. oldies were like yeah. thing it's he's like a it was like dylan because yeah. it was so extreme it, of consciousness yeah it was just uh, you, crazy like just yeah yeah on lyrically whole, yes like you like um like a good dylan song you could pick apart for like 10 years and get like different shit out of it every time right like this is kind of the same thing. Like you could pick it apart and really like get a lot yeah. of you know what I mean. For me, it, when I listen to it, it's it's very like prog rap in that way. And the idea of the concept album, the record almost plays. I don't know if this is too far of a stretch, but it almost plays Pink Floydish in sure. the way of it's like it's this sort of like it's an investment when you listen to this record, and it right. goes places, and there's movements, and there's like peaks and valleys, and storytelling, and all that kind of stuff, and it. It feels very like and he pro- brings back characters, he, right? Like, mentions right. Certain people, and then like five songs later, he like gets into their story, right? Like you have these kind of similar themes kind of interwoven in it, and that's that's why it feels so in that sense, yeah, like very like it's progressive music mm-hmm. in that way through the the hip hop rap medium, you know? Yeah, it's it's very it's so thought out and so like complicated, but it's also so digestible because you can just like put this on, and there are hits, there are you don't have to like dig through the lyrics and like figure out what he's talking about. It's like all it's so deep, but you can get it on the surface level too. Yeah. It's yeah. stuff like a normal person would, you know, yeah. it would happen through them throughout their day. And it just, right. it's just so fucking it. good too. Like it's so good. Yeah. And his it's voice, like the tone of his voice, how he does all the like pitch shifting, like mm-hmm. alien type shit and yeah. And singing stuff. And then like the stacked harmonies on certain lines, like, yeah, this yeah, record uh, is definitely one I will go back to and re-listen to because I was like, "Oh, this yeah. is this is fucking great." I told Luke I have it on vinyl. So yeah, actually, like, <laughs> I would like to listen to that. Yeah. yeah, because it's good. "Sing About Me" is probably my favorite song on the album. It's ten minutes long, mm. and he goes into not he's not rapping about himself, but he's in the shoes of someone else. Yeah, and then that when that person's story is over, he jumps into the shoes of another person's story. But that person's story is directly, you know, influenced by the first person's story. And it was just, it it meshed so well together. And to do that in a 10-minute song is crazy. Yeah. We're on the same level today, man. Because that, I think that's the the best, like, if you talk about, like, pure skills and, like, what he's trying to accomplish in the song, the, I think it's the best hip hop song of the last twenty years. Yes, hands down. Sing about me. Yeah, is my favorite he, song. Like yeah. the the one voice he takes on where it's like the gang member. Yep, and he he's about to be like, and when I die, and he's and then it's bullet shots, <laughs> and it just cuts off, and it leaves it blank. Or like the girl who is like trying to speak up and like have some power, and then it just like trails off. Trails yeah, off. she's like, you ain't gonna talk about yeah. me. When you and it just like pulls back the volume because that's the point. Is like nobody's listening to her, and she's like. Yeah, that's like yeah. genius. And then he's just yeah. talking about like, um, like a hooker who was like just trying to make it in her life. She was talking about the like she doesn't want to be a, a, in an orphanage anymore. Yeah. Like she'll do what she wants to be independent. If that means she's got a you know top police in the back of her in the back of their cruiser. Yeah, yeah. That was like the biggest line, and that's some just real shit you wouldn't hear in like rap yeah. nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sing about, about me. I'm dying of thirst. Is like. Yep. And it's deep in the album. It's like 
it's like three or four tracks from the end and it's been so good yeah, until then 10. and then it gets to that and you're like this guy mm-hmm. is like next yeah. next next level yep uh so that's your favorite song sing about the record yep. jeffrey yep. are you yeah. in, a, oh, yeah. in agreement yeah. with that song Luca? uh i mean i just like the track poet justice just as poetic yeah, justice, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. with drake like. yeah 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 <laughs> there's uh, a couple songs on there actually backseat freestyle art of peer pressure money trees those are those two songs hits yeah. were like the homage to swimming, old school swimming pools like yeah he had yeah. some hits on this one yeah for me sw- swimming pools is probably one of my favorite tracks on the record i love i do love backseat freestyle when that hits yes boom 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 like the bass on that it's like oh my god it fucking blew the first time i heard that song i was like what the fuck is this like that was the song you would play in your car when you just put new speakers right right right. when i when my friends came and picked me up they're like yo get in the car i'm about to play this shit but it's but that's the thing right that's that's actual thing i remember like when my when my cousin got a sound system in his old grand am you know there were songs that you played you're just like i'm gonna test out i got bought a 12 that was the one you know and yeah and that's what the song is like in the story of the album that's him hopping the car with his friends to go get some shit done yeah and that's like the kind of vibe that they're and th- it's right. so, there's so many thi- like elements in this because there's the lyrics there's the music there's you know the beats the stories yeah. and then there's the background story where he's like with his friends yeah. and then his yeah. parents yeah. um and then the background story is crazy because a lot of those scenes i've you know been through in my life maybe not you know going out and doing drive-bys and shit like that but yeah. i've done crazy shit with my friends you know got into fights went to parties shit like that just and then you know Breaking into people's houses sometimes. A long time ago, we were kids. <laughs> Do dumb stuff. Yeah. <laughs> What's your choice, Luke? Oh, uh, I uh, poetic justice. Oh, that that's was what it. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, just the way you, like everybody talked about this record, it was like way different than the other ones we listened to. Yeah. So like, yeah. I just you know, you could tell it's uh, it's got stardusty. Every people yeah. from everyone from every other you know who likes every other genre could come to this album. And be like, this. Yeah. This is this is a good album, and I don't even yeah. listen to this style. Right. Sometimes the record transcends any sort of category yep. or anything absolutely. Like I that. think I think this is one people of who those. hate rap. You can listen to this. Like yeah. this is it. Like if you want to get into it and just be like, I'll see what they're talking about. This is the album yeah. to go to. Yeah. yeah. Dope. Cool. Great selection. Yeah. And Great uh, selection. so the fifth one today is from 2014, and it's I think it's the second album by. J. Cole and it's 14 Forest Hills Drive. It's actually, I think it's his third major label. Yeah, we're going to check that real quick now. Fact check me. I'll fact check you. Um, importantly, before we start. Third record. This was uh, this is an album with no features. Yep. And J. Cole has done that on a couple albums, which is pretty rare in hip-hop music. Like, a lot of people want to feature people to get, you know, more exposure or just have bet- different artists on their stuff. And he, uh, he produces many of the tracks on this and he's the only artist yeah why do you love this one uh this this was like very like i wouldn't want to say emotional album but it was there was a couple songs in here so wet dreams is a big one yeah uh i guess this would take this song was just very it wouldn't i would say vulnerable Mm. like he talks about his time you know his first time sure and the song he goes he's trying to like you know spit game to this girl Mm -hmm. and uh you know, he's like, oh, this girl, she's, you know, she's, she's not new to this. She knows what it is. She's probably, you know, she's not a virgin or nothing like that. Yeah. And he's like spitting game. And it just reminded me of myself, like how I used to be in high school. Like, I'm like this nervous kid. It's my first time. I'm like, yeah, right. I'm right. just going to fake it till I make it. Yeah. And then it comes to the time and we're both like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
But yeah, right. that was that song right there just made me want to listen to the whole album. Mm. And it was one of his radio songs. Right. Yeah. So uh, I never heard anything else off the album. And then at the time, 2014, was there Apple Music? I didn't have Apple Music. I had an Android at the time. Mm. But, 2014, I, th- uh, I don't know. I think it was still just, just iTunes. Yeah. So I had, U- I had YouTube and we would listen to all the songs and like the music videos. And then there was a couple. So... Uh, fire uh, was it fire squad a tale of two cities oh yeah so a tale of two cities mm-hmm. the instrumental mm-hmm. is amazing mm-hmm. and at that time i was like oh i want to be a rapper so i would try to rap and that would be my <laughs> go-to instrumental no yeah. matter what i would always go on that so there's a lot of memories in this album mm-hmm. and it's like you said no features his mm-hmm. he, he produced mo- some of it most of it and it's also only an hour and five minutes which is pretty short i feel like yeah, that's we we. This is, a, this is oh, an man. ongoing You're argument. You're talking to guys the... who like minute and a half long songs. <laughs> well, one, one, and then someone who likes fifteen Listen, minute long. Songs. I've listened to I think it, oh, a two hour album. One thousand fifty five full records this year in sittings, like yeah. in like once. So that's like full yeah. sittings. So for me at this point, as I've gotten to one thousand fifty five, thirty five to forty minutes is a perfect album length for me. When it gets, because you're sitting and listening to the whole thing, and when it gets longer than that, you you just get a lot of fat in it. You I get like, a lot of fat and shit. I like a long album. I don't know. I just like yeah. you like if to it be comes in out. It. It's like a, a video game. Right. Like you don't want a game to be over in an hour. Sure. You want to enjoy it. I paid yeah. sixty dollars for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Man, right. okay, that's a good argument back yeah. though. So like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not paying for the album, but still, but you like, want to get your fill, right? I'm it's like, like, oh yeah, shit, it's out. Yeah. Like, I want my yeah. excitement to last. Like, I want right, it to be right, like a yeah. good movie, like a Marvel movie. Right. And, you know, sometimes you get yeah. those three and a half hour movies, like you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, like the old one, the new yeah. ones. I mean, not the old <laughs> yeah. one. The old ones are classics, but yeah. the new ones, you're like yeah. mm, two and a half hours. Where's Jack Sparrow at? Yeah, right. Who is this guy? And with with music, sometimes more is more. And you want more because, like, hip hop artists tend to make music a little mm-hmm. bit more frequently, but still, you gotta wait like a year and a half for any more stuff. Especially, so like, I kind of want like a full hour. J. Cole and Kendrick, they're both yeah. like three, uh, yeah. four year album people. Right. Yeah. Like, they wait. Drake, on the other hand, is like every year, here's the new one. Yeah. Right. And that's crazy to be able to put out an album every year and top the charts with every album. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The J. Cole, uh, he's like an underrated guy, in my opinion, who is now getting his proper recognition because of like his social justice stuff mm-hmm. um, and the more of his like backstory. Like he doesn't come from a New York scene or Miami or Atlanta or Los Angeles. Like he's from the Carolinas. Yep. So he's kind of out of place. There's not really a culture around yep. it. There's not other dudes who like are big. Um, it's a different point of view because it's kind of, it's like a little urbanized, but it's also like backwoods too. Um so it's just a different vibe, and it's it's very much indebted to the early Kanye West stuff. Like he has a lot of soul samples. He his flow is kind of a little bit more like that '90s, like the poppy Jay Z type yep. of flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just I love the no features because it's like this it's is me. Yeah, this is just me the whole time, and this He's is my. Like, I can do this, yeah. no problem. And it's yeah. like another album. I would say if you were new to rap, this is something you would want to mm. listen to. Yeah, I love I. I love when rappers do no features because it gives yeah. it like a, a singer songwriter vibe because yep. mm-hmm. it's all them. It's just yeah. the, their personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like straight out, you know? Yeah, yeah. I love the beats on this record too. Yeah. They're definitely, they're, you know, they're of the times, but there's a little, for me, who's somebody who so much loves like Nas and Wu Tang yep. and Mob Deep and all of them, 
like there's this sort of familiarity in the instrumental side of this record that that's the thing that like really drew me in and then you know obviously like you listen to what he's doing and lyrically and all that stuff as well um but yeah i think over i think it's a, such a really nicely done record like just front to back yeah. um i like that you like the the thing like you spotted like first about this record was that tune about um like them hooking up for the first time yeah because that was the re- that was a song that like instantly i was like oh this record's way different from any other rap record yep. i listened to because it had um humility in it yep. it wasn't braggadocious it was humility it was like um it was real real yeah it was really real like a real emotion that everybody like, goes through and kind of everybody feels that awkward been time. in that moment yeah and that's yeah, why yeah. i was like this is crazy this really speaks to me because everyone's <laughs> yeah, been yeah. in that moment where you find that girl and you're like oh yeah i'm just gonna shoot my shot and see what happens and yeah. then you just yeah man and like the, for, <laughs> for somebody okay so you're like a couple years younger than me right and like for me like my first like shit was eminem like screaming about his ex-wife mm-hmm. so violent and like hard but like now you're general like you're like got to listen to that album in high school and, and yeah sorry close to the mic you got to listen to that album in high school and so like for me i didn't really get anything like at least that and it that's like what i'm saying is i listened to rock music in high school yeah. which wasn't cool wasn't popular you know what i mean it's not on the forefront it's not on like number one on the billboard album charts like mm-hmm. rap is so you get to listen to this and it's culturally cool so and it's pushing like a message of vulnerability and like it's cool to be yourself and everybody goes through this and so for like me like listening to this and i was like oh man it kind of gave me like a um a much different like uh view of like just even somebody that's like a couple years younger than me you know what i'm saying yeah so i just thought that was like super interesting super out there this was that's what made this record uh way different for me yeah he's not trying to be hard he's not trying to be someone he's not he's like a down he's like a down yeah like yeah grown kid who just yeah it's it's good to see it's cool to love people like that's what that's what the message was yeah and that's cool love yours is another song where you know he talks about it's cool to like just be out have feelings right right (laughs) yeah it's it's cool to have feelings man yeah i feel like the thing is is like really like when we were in high school right like the early 2000s and stuff it's all that's kind of like the height of like 40s and rims and not to sound vulgar but bitches you know what i'm saying like that kind of thing so like to to go from that sort of like hyper masculine Mm -hmm. sort of like women are objects into this sort of an era where it's something like that where it's this person being like vulnerable and being like hey like i'm kind of nervous around girls instead of like the pouring champagne on a twerking yeah. girl's ass you know what i mean he's just like uh no we have emotions guys like let's not forget let's not get lost in the fucking in the sauce here you know what i mean like run it back you were like a scared little boy too so pump the yeah. fuck, fucking brakes he has a lyric in one of his songs and it, it stuck with me it was um i don't remember the actual lyric but he says along the lines he was like i was scared every day for confrontation at school Mm. And he was just like, I wasn't that hard, dude. He would, he was just talking about like he wasn't that hard, dude. He yeah, would go yeah. to school every day, scared he was gonna get into a fight. Yeah. But he had to save face, and then he would, yep. you know, he would just act tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said that pushed people away. Mm. So like that stuff. Yeah, genuine man. It's genuine. Yeah. yeah, man. And it really shows, like Mike said, because my our era of being teenage years, like mm-hmm. how most of these albums came out, your middle school, early high school. Yeah, it was all fucking the worst messaging most hyper aggressive <laughs> and like violence and not letting... chasing possessions and stuff and i love the fact that like it's come around to where hip-hop is like the 
real uh like unadorned emotional vulnerable like feelings music now yeah i mean yeah. th- th- i feel like it's half and half they're still that hard side I mean, sure sure yeah, yeah like, but yeah. but it's the okay to bring it back to like moldy oldies is like you still have um like like it's like a zeppelin record you still have like the really soft like going to california shit and then you like they are friends and then you also have like immigrant song which hits super fucking hard right 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 so, yeah yeah but I th- yeah it was i think it was uh it was it made it so that even if you are an artist who puts out a lot of like hard stuff that it's more socially acceptable than to actually to throw an emotional song onto a record that yep. is otherwise very like jarring and and you know what i'm trying to say so it kind of it's like when people could start singing in like metalcore you know what i'm saying where it was like the hardcore people were like no screaming only and then people started singing and they're like no it's too you know whatever and now you know you kind of get them both so favorite track maybe. on this record uh wet dreams and also love yours i like tale of two cities that's that's my choice yep. from i'm gonna go with saint tropez all right on I love that song, and the, well, also because it. Has Did you that love st- it because you thought it was a Pink Floyd song when you? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, it's, uh, that's well, what is it? That's all right with me. That's what it's sampled from Esther right. Phillips, but Mob Deep sampled it first uh, on "Give Up the Goods." So I heard it and I was like, Ooh. "Oh, this is a Mob. That this is a Mob Deep uh, uh, fucking sample." And that's I was like, it caught me right there. I was like, "Oh, if he's sampling like Mob Deep, then okay, yeah, he's you have, with me. You have my vote, man. You have my vote." I liked uh, "Gomd." Uh, for specifically the beat in the beginning of the song and the end of the song, because that yeah. shit was like fire, especially that last verse over that beat. That was like the best, like the highlight for the album for me. Yeah. Um, Devin, you want to wrap it up and give us like your general thoughts about this era of hip hop and like what it means to you and just in summary type of thing. So I feel like it's very diverse. There's a lot of different styles. Like mm. rap isn't just rap. It's not like how it used to be. Um, I mean. That rap was created on you know about social injustices and yeah you know just wanting to be a teenager in a hard you know a hard light in a hard mm-hmm. area and it was just a way to get your emotions out kind of like you know all other types of music just to get your emotions out yeah um it definitely had a a fast upbringing i would say and then it just bloomed into like a huge array of like artists and different styles and you can literally you you would hear rap and you would think oh, Lil Pump, Lil Baby, Lil Wayne, right, right. But there's so much the more to it. And youngs and all those. There's so much more to it. Yeah. And it's those people who give you those gems once in a while that you're like, yeah. okay, like I don't mind. I like listen to Lil Baby and all of them sometimes. Yeah. But like I will go back and listen to Good Kid, Mad City, a yeah. hundred times before over I listen over. to, right. you know, a Lil Baby album, or I'll go back and listen to Drake, yeah. you know. And it's like at this point when I was when I was a teenager, like you'd have to be careful to what you listen to because yep. people would literally outcast you for that. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. And nowadays it's like everything's cool. Like I even mm. listen to J-pop. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like I grew up watching anime and it's just something I like. Yeah. So it's like I don't even care anymore. Like back in the day, you know, you'd have to be like, oh, you can't listen. You can't listen to Drake. You can't listen to Tyler. Yeah. You would have to like – control Choose what one. you're listening yeah. to with which friend group you're with yeah yeah and those albums then just become like guilty pleasures like you listen to them yeah. when you're alone but if like your friends found out it'd like be i had end. certain friends who'd be like yeah play that track and then i had some people that are like yo you're weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> well thanks yeah. for joining us i mean yeah five very diverse albums 
to recap, you have Kanye West, 808s and Heartbreak, Tyler Creator's Goblin, Drake's Take Care, Kendrick Lamar's Good Kid, Mad City, J. Cole's 14 Forest Hills Drive. Um, all great albums. And I'll give an honorable mention to... Um, oh, hit it. Damn, I have a few. I'd, I have to give an honorable mention to... Another Kanye album would be Dark Twisted Fantasy. I'm not sure if we yeah. talked about it. That's like my favorite a, album of all it time. Was, it was a rough one between 808s and Dark Twisted Fantasies. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll give an honorable mention to that one. But those are my five favorite artists yeah. as well. Plus yeah. Frank Ocean. Actually, um, oh, it was Frank Ocean... You guys can talk. I'm gonna find this real quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we had like a Frank Ocean uh, album review a couple weeks ago. Blonde. Where, where, oh, was that that was that what no, we, we were? To? No, we listened. Orange. Channel, Channel Orange. Orange. Channel Orange. Orange. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blonde and Channel Orange, both perfect albums. Yeah. yeah. I think Jeffrey would agree with you on that one. Yeah, 100. percent Oh yeah, he's my favorite contemporary artist, but yep. he only puts out an album every like six years. So. <laughs> I I would have <laughs> put him in this list, but it was rapping and, and hip hop. Right, he's like. Yeah. He's like R&B. R&B, hip-hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah right. So if we ever do an R&B segment, you would know Blonde would be at my top. Right. All right. Okay. Well, maybe we'll have you come back for an R&B. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, real quick, before we wrap with you, though, you are, a, you know, you got your f- kind of hands in a little bit of everything, though, right? Because you, you're a photographer. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a photographer, a videographer, a video editor. Yep. Um, I also stream. Uh, I do – I'm a break dancer. Um, and I also just got into writing. Nice. Cool. Renaissance, man. Well, uh, <laughs> where can people find you for like those services and uh, show like your art and stuff? You have an Instagram, that kind of stuff? So I do have an Instagram. It's Vita Visuals. If you follow me there, I have. Um, you can just message me and I can we can talk about some options. I have. Uh, you can shoot in a studio or if you yeah. need video, videos done, um, do a lot of car work, yeah. you know, wedding stuff like that. So oh, cool, man. Pretty cheap starting out. So, yeah. If you ever need anything, you can always come by. Um, yeah. Cool. Right up our boy Devin. Yeah, right thanks on, right for on. joining us, man. Yeah, this man. Fun. We'll have to have you come back. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Have you ever felt emotions? Then do we have the podcast for you. Feel Feelings is a weekly podcast where comedians Danny Getz and George Bruderman sit down with some of the funniest, emotionally distraught people i.e. comedians they know and talk feelings every friday hear very funny people reminisce on ren and stimpy worry about the wizard of oz and emote over their emo phase check out feel feelings with danny and george a show about feelings and the things that make you feel them welcome back that was good Thank you. Welcome back again to the garage. Devin has since left, but we are now beginning our last and final segment from the show. Ever. Why am yeah, I getting weird? Why am I getting weird? You're always getting weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, the, the, the last part of the show that we're doing is, you know, without Devin, but it's on episode two of Get Back. I was really articulate. Thank you. Particulate. <laughs> Podcast so, so in lieu of an album recommendation, we're going to talk about episode two of the Disney Plus series, The Beatles Get Back. We talked about episode one last week. Um, we all watched episode two. Ugh. 
Well, it's it's dense. It's long. It's dense. I mean, we. It's like a dense. Episode two is the fever dream. Yeah, our 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 initial like uh, about it is just because it is long, and I think we're all such super fans that it's like we watch it so intently that's even twice as exhausting. Because I'm just like the magic of the Beatles interacting, yes. and I'm like absorbing it with every cell in my body. And then I look down at the the clicking timer at the bottom. I'm like, oh my god, it's only been 14 minutes. <laughs> right, right. Well, like I said to you yeah. earlier, it was like the same thing that happened to you with episode one, where you're like, oh yeah, I watched most of it. I'm just gonna go and knock out the last like half hour, 45 minutes, and then you turn the TV on, you're like, oh my god, there's still an hour and 40 minutes left of this fucking thing. Like yeah. I felt like I already watched an entire episode, yeah. but um, that's not a knock on it. You know what I mean? No, like no. I, it's still. I mean, let it, me let me say this. Um, it felt way longer the first time I watched it, um, and then the second because I watched the whole thing twice. Okay. The second time I watched it, it played much faster for me because yeah, I was either looking for different things or I wasn't as intently. You know what I mean? It yeah. felt like it just went by a little faster. There's also, um, I think episode one had a lot of. I mean, there is a, a fair amount of conversation and dialogue in this episode, but there's a lot of playing. There's a lot of music in episode two. Yeah. Like, there's there's times where they do a, they show an entire take of a song, and then they show an, another entire take right afterwards, mm-hmm. which I think is cool, and I think is, like, a good document to, like, see what the process is. And, and it'll say, like... The f- it'll be, like, the fourth take, and subtitled under it will be, like, this is the take that appeared on the album. Right. And so you've been watching the song for 15 minutes by that point. But I think, you know, it's part it's it's the process and that's why this is fascinating to me because you get to see the dynamics of them working on something together. Absolutely. Um so talking dynamics. Let's talk about what starts episode 2, the flower pot conversation. Sure. What did you feel about the flower pot conversation? Did you think it was cuz I thought that was incredibly revealing. Oh yeah, I mean it. So that's um, John and Paul off camera. The producers hit a microphone in the flower pot that was on their dining cart when they ate lunch, um, and they're talking about George isn't there anymore, and like, well, we kind of like pushed him away because you know we don't let him speak his mind, and like they're talking about who has control in the band, um, and it was it was honest because Paul is saying like. Well, John, like, I know I'm running stuff right now, but, like, you're the boss. You've been the boss, and, like, your say goes, and you, like, veto stuff. But, like, you don't have all these songs ready like I do, so I feel like I have to be the boss during this. And John is saying, like, well, I know George is our younger brother, but, you know, maybe we should let him speak more. And they are they have self-reflection about how they aren't letting George speak. or Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, is it kind of maybe crossing lines at the – conversation got recorded maybe it's a bit also, intrusive definitely right? yeah because like but, they knew cameras and mics are in the studio not when like they're off-site yeah <laughs> right um, um i thought it was incredibly revealing that they acknowledged that they were kind of egotistically pushing away sure george harrison's yeah. songs which i thought was more revealing they were mm. like hey don't you think we're doing this kind of more of like an ego thing and it's kind of caused like a deep wound in our mm. band and they acknowledged it, which is kind of what the main, like, um, there's yeah. a lot of like speculation, like the Yoko theory of like why the Beatles broke up. That the flower power conversation is why the Beatles broke up. Like I yeah, thought, just I dynamics. think, yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so also you were saying like, um, the 
um, like long takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I mean because we've all been in a band together? Did that feel like a band practice to you? Because it felt like I was like, oh yep, this is watching band practice, and for anybody. Oh, yeah. It felt like because like you wouldn't invite somebody to band practice, precisely for the reason that it is boring as all shit if you aren't involved, right? Mm. So yeah. like that is like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, like that was like an aspect of it that I thought like in the middle of episode two when you're like watching them play the song for like the eighth time. Yeah, yeah the constant. Well, like the constant like start to get into the songs and like it's abandoned like 20 seconds into the song because something just isn't quite right or they have to change the tape or they have to do this or they have to do that um but they seem they seem much more comfortable at the apple records recording when they they have another conversation with george notably it's like the same still photograph and the subtitling notably uh linda and yoko not present so it's unlike right. the end of episode one where and it says that yeah. the, all of them met and it did not go well. This says just the Beatles got together. And, yeah. And they talk. It was constructive. And George has decided to come back. Yeah. In the beginning, uh, there's when they they first get to what is it? Uh, yeah. Twinkenham. There's a part where Paul McCartney's talking about it. And he's like, yeah, like Yoko spoke for John. John didn't really speak right. for himself. You know, so you can see there's there's kind of, you know, that stuff where. But they do talk about, like, it's not Yoko broke them apart, but just the reality of, like, John wants his other half to, like, be there right. with him, even when he's going to the... They say he he doesn't go to the bathroom by himself. Right. Like, so it's not... We have to take it as, like, she speaks for him, he speaks for her. Like, it is what it is. It's right. not It's not positive or negative. It's just what it is. Like, yeah. And... Like watching the movie, I didn't feel like she was like interrupt. She didn't interrupt no. literally anything. If yeah, anything, right. she was bored out of her skull. Like that's yeah. what I was the point I was making. Like you know what she's I mean? She's like a comfort animal when she's there for yeah. him. She's, she's just chilling. Yeah, yeah. I a Yoko Momo I I did enjoy was um when they get to Abby Studio Abby I mean Apple Studios and she's asking George Martin like where do I get sheet music for orchestra orchestra <laughs> scores and he's like. Well, you can like go buy a record anywhere, and she's like, "No, like the actual sheet music." So it shows that she's not just like some hanger-on girlfriend who's like right. there to, you know, take up space. She was interested in yeah, making the process art. And, yeah. Um, Moments I thought were cool, like right yeah. when they came into Apple, like when they switched over. Yeah. Um, Ringo walks in, or Ringo's at the piano, and uh, George walks <laughs> over, and George is like, "What are you working on, man?" And he's like, "A song about an octopus." <laughs> so you get that's in the original Let It Be film, but you get yeah. to see it in that moment again, yeah. and uh, you see George helping him with the mel- uh, melody of the song, which I think mm-hmm. is really cute. Yeah, um, a, a funny like editor leaving it in on purpose type of thing. I'm I'm very fascinated with Mal Evans the roadie turned assistant who's like there on hand to get coffees or like get a different base or like get cables or whatever and he at one point they're talking about like they're bringing in the Ringo movie set stuff and they're just talking they're just having fun and talking about like well what if we made a movie and you played this part and you played this part you played this part and they're like and Mal he would be a like a policeman turned rogue gone bad and I I, (laughs) as soon as they said that I went oh they left that in for a reason dark foreshadowing like five years later that dude was killed by police he had a mental health episode and he was he was walking around his house with a bb gun and oh my god they thought it was a rifle and he was shot by police so like 
Peter Jackson, I think, purposely leaving There's him a some lot shit. of <laughs> <clears throat> wait till you get wait till you get further into episode three. There is like the most foreshadowing, foreshadowed moments on earth in that yeah. movie. Oh, it's so good. Um great. Another foreshadowing great part. They, they there's a song uh, I think they call it the Road to Marrakesh. That happens in episode one. They show it, and they show it more when they're actually playing it. And that ended up being Jealous Guy. And it's just that's like a foreshadowing thing because like John has this song idea about like his spiritual travel in India, but then he gets burnt out on the Beatles and them breaking up, and he makes a song about just like jealousy and bad feelings. He takes yeah. this he takes this spiritual song he's already written, changes all the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know because I I watched it twice and they kind of blended together. The second and third episodes definitely for me. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna sorry, but uh, I'll stop. Did you he uh, did he do another song that is on that record yet? For did you see it in that second episode? Because you no. you'd know. Okay, never mind. I'll leave it for you then. Mm. But um, so I just really really loved like Mal in this ep- like in this episode too because you get to like. Because in the first episode, I'm kind of like, who is this dude? And then you kind of like really fall in love with him. But in yeah. this one, you see him like even like like ris- like asking like, what do you want? Like in mm-hmm. Ringo's ear while he's playing drums and stuff. And like he really like yeah. he steals this whole movie yeah. for me. He's like my play- like my favorite. He's like the to best watch. cameo character who like comes into every scene. Yeah, because you're like who like you. I, it's a guy I've never heard of, yeah. and like I I've obsessed with the Beatles, and I'm like right. Mal, and you're just like. And then you watch and you're like, who is this guy so close with them? Like, like he's like literally the fifth Beatle. Like that's yeah. who it is. At one point he, they're, they're moving the stuff from Twickenham, the multicolor stage set up to Apple studios. And it's just a montage of Mal, like dressed to the nines in a sport coat and like a nice tie. And he's moving all their heavy ass equipment with like this big grin on his face. Like do, 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 just help, just working for the Beatles. <laughs> um, yeah. I I think a moment that's great in episode two is um, them showing the footage from India and them having a conversation about what India meant to them. And they're, except for George, they're all kind of like, yeah, you know, it was a fun summer abroad and our travels and like, it was all fun. And like, and he's in the corner, not fuming like episode one, but he, at some point he's like, well, you know, like. That's where we went to find out who you really are, and if that's not what happened for you, I don't know what the fuck we're talking about. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he, I think, like, yeah, like Paul McCartney's like talking about the the um the the like Super Eight video he made, right. and he said he watched it the night before, and then yeah. they play that that footage, and you can see it. Mike Love of the Beach Boys is in it too. Yeah, big Beach Boys fan, so I was super excited to see that footage. Uh, that fucking asshole, yes. Mike Love. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But um, besides, you almost just got a spit take. <laughs> besides all that, <clears throat> he is a huge asshole. Fucking asshole, Mike Love. Huge. I'll asshole. tell you who I don't love, Mike Love. Yeah, you want to talk about crushing artistic uh, sensibility? Um, but anyway, like you're right. Like they, that, like I think that's going to be the next Peter Jackson film. I think they're going to make a film uh, because there was so much. And George, you hear George say. Well, I've got some footage of that too. If we wanted to make a project of our of our whatever in India, but um, hmm. like you said, George lays like such a profound truth on them, like somewhat smugly, but also right. very like matter of fact, you know, like you know, and he lays like the profound truth of the moment on them, and you really see all of them go like, oh, like yeah, because okay. for them, for them okay. they're like, oh, it's a holiday, a vacation for thirty days where we did some weird stuff in India, and he's like. 
uh, that trip changed my, changed my life from my direct <laughs> perspective on reality. Yes. And you guys the, are just like, oh, we had silly haircuts. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? There's a about? great moment in the beginning, oh, though. I, I when, still have the shirt I wore. When, in the beginning, when the, the, uh, the Hare Krishnas send George Harrison a bouquet of flowers to Twinkenham. <laughs> when he's not and, there. Yeah. yeah, when he's not there. And Ringo's just like, that's from the Hare Krishnas. And I forget who says it. And he's like, Harry who? And he's like, Hare Krishnas. Uh, George is like, you know, the, the people that he hangs out with. Uh, and they're like, "Did you like? Did you like India, Ringo?" And he's like, "Not really." And he just kind of like takes a pump <laughs> off his cigarette and just puts his arm up over his head and like just looks off, like he just yeah. couldn't, he can't even be bothered to talk about India. Uh, I mentioned this moment last week, but the dialogue after watching it again, mm. incredibly more funny because when he mm. goes, "Who's that?" John Lennon goes, "Who's that little old man?" Mm. Referencing a Hard Day's Night when mm. Paul's grandfather, and that's the joke in a Hard Day's Night. Who's that little old man? He asked that about oh. who the Hare Krishna is sitting in the corner. Yeah. So it's like meta Beatle reference on Beatle reference. Super weird, funny. Yeah. But how, anyway. how about the conversation when George rejoins and it's like, it seems very good working environment and good vibes. Like he even says like, oh, it's a great, great practice yesterday. And they talk, they're reading headlines from tabloids about how they're fighting and like all their problems yeah. and it's like straight up they're just gathered in a circle reading the shit for like yeah. it's like five to ten minutes and john lennon like don't they start playing while paul mccartney's right reading it as and they're well like, yesterday george harris and punched a photographer in the face <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah because he punched somebody yeah. in france yeah, and, it's, yeah but yeah and they're reading like especially this one guy who like is con he's like a beatles critic specialty and he's talking about like the band is on the edge of breakup and George Harrison and John Lennon were fighting each other. And yeah, yeah. and the fact that they're, cause that's the thing that this is really showing is like the story up until this got released was like the Beatles were all famous and then like barely on working terms and like barely communicating. Yeah. But it shows that they're out there and they're like talking about the shit openly about like, Oh, the rest of the world thinks that we are fuck at each other's throats, but we're just trying to do an album. Like, and it's, <laughs> yeah. and it's hard. Right, right. It's hard to make an album live in the studio in three weeks and like this is what it is yeah how, how do you like that all rosewood telecaster oh my god. as soon as i saw that i'm like oh my god i was salivating. that's a holy holy grail guitar are you talking that. about rocky is it called rocky the know. psychedelic telecaster no 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 no, no, no. he the all dark brown yeah. oh George that one is gorgeous yes 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 the rosewood. entire thing is made of solid yeah. rosewood gorgeous yeah. oh my god um yeah. i like danny harrison uh has that has that one and had it I think he was oh, the driving son, force be sure. behind that becoming because I think they released it as a signature guitar. Now you can like from the Fender Custom Shop, you can get the George Harrison Rosewood Telly. Um, every guitar George Harrison plays in this movie, uh, he plays Lucy, the Les Paul that yeah, uh, Eric Clapton gave him in the mm -hmm. first one. Yep. Uh, Rocky shows up in the second episode. Um, that's the psychedelic one. The psychedelic, right. uh, I think, it's a Strat sitting. Right. Yeah. That's uh, there. Yep. George Harrison's guitars. I was just drooling over them the whole time. They're so yeah, gorgeous. I know, me too. And Clapton when he um his um uh casino, right? That the episode Epiphone Casino he's playing, the hollow body. Cla oh, you mean Lennon. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, that Epiphone Casino you know what's that's the thing, is I'm listening to these recordings and I'm watching this and I'm like, Oh. John was playing lead on almost everything. Yeah. I didn't dude. realize that. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. Yeah. I had no idea. John was playing mostly lead and like my mm. favorite guitar tone. Right, is that is John Lennon's because it's loopy. Oh my god, muted. it just sound it sounds so, yeah. it sounds so good. And I mean, I felt like George Harrison was turned down at least in the mix mm. of like the audio tracks that they had because you can't really hear George very well. You hear him kind of doing his thing here and there, mm. but overall, it's it, John's up front. Mm. 
um, did they cut for you blue in the second episode? Yeah. Yes. So like during that, mm-hmm. um, too, because like I there's something else I wanted to say too. Like when they came back and um, after like when George came back, I found that like they were prioritizing to do something like that, right? Yeah. Like a George song. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. So like that was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah also could, yeah. like when he was playing like guitar, like George during that song, it's so like the acoustic he's playing mm, yeah. and just the sound of it and like watching it come together. And then when you realize like, cause I'm obsessed with the Beatles. So when I realize like I'm watching the moment of the take that's about to happen and I'm like, oh, this is it. This is the take. Yeah. And then he starts playing it and I'm like, ah, yeah, 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 and that's one where it's subtitles. It says like take four is the one that's on the album, right? And John's yeah, playing that lap steel thing, and you can yeah. see the power dynamic kind of shift as well. Where you see George is genuinely like talking, like, "Oh, well, we should do this, or we should do that, or we should do this or that," and it seems, yeah, like communication's a lot better, you know. But I, I love uh, also Yoko when they're when they're tracking they're doing the you f- blue. Uh, Yoko oh. is like actually grooving to that one. Yeah. And she, like, never grooves to anything. And to be, like, a George song that she grooves to, funny. Yeah. Because she's not grooving to, like, a Lennon tune. She's, like... Grooving to a George tune. Yeah. Um, I would also be remiss if we... I mean, we have to address... I mean, Billy Preston, man. When when he comes in, the dynamic of everything changes. It's about halfway through episode two he comes in. They get tight. And And he just happens to be in town, and they're like, well, we, we were thinking about adding a keyboard player because all these songs have a keyboard part but like we don't have enough people to play yeah and his playing is just so tasteful and just like it's just ornamental and it's it's very like ray charles style and that fender road sound and he's a dude who like i think even then he's the youngest guy in the room i think he's 23 or 24 yeah but he was gigging when he was 14 like with pros but you can just see how excited he is to be there man that's the thing that was like one of my favorite parts well he's just watching him and his like his the expressions on his face it's just so joyful and happy to be there and like just he's loving it and it i you know what i mean it's it's always fun to watch the artist perform the art you know like you you in other words you listen to the albums right like you listen to the music but then when you put like name to you get to watch you put face the, yeah. to 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 instrument you like yeah, you watch the whole thing sort of manifest. Well, don't let me down. The first song that i think the first song they do with them where it, Lennon goes take it bill and he, the, when he goes, he's just laying down like these beautiful, and I think he's got like the cigarette going, yeah. and it's just effortless. And you feel, because you've heard Don't Let Me Down at least 20 times already. Yeah. And when he, you hear it with Bill, you're like, holy shit. Like, and the band yeah. hears it too. So you get to watch them hear what yeah. you're, and you can hear, you see the shift in the change in it. Yeah. And everyone goes, well, that was just crazy. You know what I mean? And then Lennon goes, well, you really did take it, Bill. Like, There's know? a really funny part, though, where they're talking about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're like the fifth Beatle. And then they kind of start going off the rails a little bit, and John and George are like, we could be like the Beatles and company, and we could have like Eric Clapton come in, and we could have all that. And Paul McCartney just shuts it down like right on top. He's like, four's enough people to deal with. <laughs> like, he just, he's like, no, yeah. we're not. That's not. I'm not. I'm not letting this idea run even further into like bringing in all these other fucking people like no we have billy preston let's like pump the brakes a little bit also like before we wrap up here like last week uh jeff you were asking me like how much does billy preston actually play in that record almost all of let it be almost every single track he plays on and abbey road 
He's on a ton of that as well. Yeah, he's on like I think eight of the tracks on Let Be, and he's on yeah like three or four on Heavy Road. So yeah. very but, uh, he heavy was, contribution. Mm. Which he was with, with Apple Records too, right? Didn't like his first yes, first his first two, two releases, releases were on were through yeah. Apple. Yes. Yeah. Produced by George Harrison, I believe, one of them. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and it's it's very different dynamics than Episode One because Episode One is Paul McCartney's like, I have a vision everybody else is kind of just sticks in the mud, but I got to pull this thing yeah. and just like be the engine. And then the second episode, they <laughs> do have a conversation where they're talking about if we should add Billy Preston and he's kind of like arms crossed and he's kind of just like, well, you know, if it's a majority, like, you know, I'll go with the majority. Cause now it's very clear. He's not going to get his vision, which is like the television special and the live show and all that stuff. But he's also like, I'll go with it because honestly, maybe it's better that everyone at least has an opinion rather than me just like doing everything. Yes. It's just a different. And as someone who's been like that leadership role in a band, that's a place you get to a lot, which is like, gotta be the taskmaster and drive everything. But then the times when everybody does have opinions, you have to go, well, you know, we'll do what the group wants to that's do, what, I guess. Even if it's not really what I want to do, like, at least you're all fucking have an opinion now. That's why, like, watching this and, like, reading people's reviews, I'm like, if you weren't in a band, I don't think you are understanding what's yeah. going on because you've never done what they're doing. So you don't understand, like, the even the conversation about, like, because you're really putting yourself out there, like, when you, mm. you know, sing into a microphone, you yeah. know? So, like, and that's what, like, I don't know. So... Yeah, I'm excited to watch episode three. I I haven't yeah, I haven't here. watched it yet. Um, no. Um, I highly recommend if you guys get the opportunity one day by yourselves. If you ever get the opportunity to sit there one day and watch, watch the, the whole thing, watch the whole thing in one sitting, it's yeah. well worth it because it just it gets monotonous and crazy, but you really get like such a rush at the end of it. Um, yeah. And it's very when you good. see everything kind of materialize in the end, right? Yeah. 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 Well, there you have it. Episode two covered. We'll get back. The Beatles. Check it out. Peter Disney Jackson. Plus. Uh, yeah, it's on Disney Plus. Check it out. And if you're in my life, you can talk to me about it because it's the only thing I've been talking about all week. So if <laughs> so you find him on the streets, <laughs> if, you, if you see me and you're like, oh, Luke, let's talk about the Luke's Beatles. Luke's home address. Get back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to have like an hour and a half conversation if you feel like it. So yeah. Call him at. <laughs> find me on Instagram at Julius underscore records. Yes. And speaking of Instagram, you can find the podcast. It, that's on, on Instagram. Instagram as well. And once um, again, a special thank you yes, to our friend to Devin. Who Devin Arbuckle, us. fellow uh, potato chip. Jockey. Jockey. <laughs> All right. Until next time, guys, this is uh, Get in the Garage. Let's, let's get it chugging. <laughs> This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.